0: Blog Talk Radio. Hey, hey, radio. Hey Hey, yes, buddy. hey, hey. Months and months of waiting, hey, all to get to this one point—the hey, hey, beginning of the 2017 Los Angeles Rams season. What's up, everybody? It's your boy What's 3K here with Myson What's up, Myson? What's going on, man? Oh. Um,
1: Lovely day. I just got home. <laughs> just got home. What, what was going day. on?
0: What, what was the delay? Was it traffic?
1: No, I got practice, man. I'm coaching the kids now. I go straight from the are office they to the kids. You <laughs> got some hitters are out they, there. Are they
0: kids or are they just small warriors? What, what's the issue? They are, what's the, they what's are the small issue?
1: nine going on 10-year-old warriors. That's what they are. Little Nine going on delay. 30. <laughs>
0: Except for one.
1: He's like he a little bowling ball. He just wants to hit everything, but I'm okay with that.
0: <laughs> rolling ball of butcher knives, there's always one.
1: Exactly. I call him can't get right, though, because he always runs into the wrong spot. But he runs to the wrong spot at full speed, so I love that. <laughs> full speed. That's good, man. Balls to the wall. What's,
0: what, what's the weather like for practices out there right now?
1: You know what? It was hot as hell those first two weeks. This week, it's like 78-81. Uh, so it's cool, but Man, those first two weeks I uh, couldn't get the kids in up water. I was so hot. <laughs> it was like 100 are you, degrees.
0: That's uh, brutal. Are you a fan of summer? Are you what what's your what's your seasonal power ranking?
1: Fall, obviously. For, for, for obvious reasons. <laughs> it's all about fall for obvious reasons. <laughs> even if even though I'm a spring right. baby.
0: See, I'm a, I'm a fall guy too. Are you anti-summer or are you are you cool with summer you're just pro fall?
1: I'm 100% cool with summer because it's leading to fall. (laughs) I'm with you you on the priorities for fall.
0: I'm down down with fall. The only thing I don't like about summer is that all the activities seem kind of pointless. Like like everybody talks about going to the beach, but it's never something you do at the beach. It's just going there. It's just like existence (laughs) of the beach is is the point, and it's like, well, man, well, what do you want to do? I want to read a book. Well, you could do that. What? That's not a thing. That's a thing. You could do that anywhere. I, I you could do that in a library.
1: I, I agree. I never understood the point of going to the beach to sit under a tent and read.
0: You that's know, stupid. or or <laughs> go to the beach to drink. Like if that's the only place. You get, I just don't understand. I don't understand the allure of going places to do something that you do everywhere else. It, usually the draw yeah. is you go somewhere to do something because you can't do it anywhere else, that you go yeah, to the bar you go to water.: Yeah, that you get in the ocean, but it, seem, it seems like that is not the draw at the beach, so I've never understood yeah, I've never understood the allure of summer. Uh, I'll be honest, I'm a, definitely a fall guy, and, uh, especially when it comes to the food. That's when the food gets a lot better. So you're going to be getting better. How about that for a free segue? 2017 Rams <laughs> getting a lot better. In practice, where now? do you want to start, man? We're we what eight practices or nine practices? I haven't done a count. I should have done a count. We are nine practices research. in. Nine,
1: practice nine out of practices, practices in. Nine. nine
0: out of fifteen. We're, we're not, getting that. What you got? Where do we start? <laughs> we well,
1: man, we you know what practice practice the past week was um interesting to say the least. <laughs> That's probably the had the joint best chargers practice exactly. <laughs> there was uh there were some good things you know to come out of that um there was uh reports of Todd Gurley really uh looking explosive and the thing that I loved the most was violent exactly he was violent and reading <laughs> those were the two words that I got excited I was like, wait he read the whole <laughs> wait a minute this is this is Todd right he was reading and he was getting violent I'm like okay that's that's pretty good that's a that's a good thing You know that's what we want to hear you know and then you know you hear cooper cup is Looking really good. He's uh, a mature, which I I, I Mm. thought was an interesting choice of words from Sean McVay, considering he's 24. He's a relatively old uh, rookie, but he called him a mature rookie. And, you know, he's looking good out there, looking like a veteran. So, a lot of good things to come out of uh, practice this past week. There's been more positive than negative. Let's put it that way. It was a, a good week.
0: I think that's that's one of the big things is that, you know, this is a a franchise that doesn't have a problem finding positivity regardless of where they're coming from or where they're going. And there is value to that. Uh, it, it's one of those things, though, that you wonder, you go back to a 4-12 and season and you heard a lot of the same things. You go back to a 4-8 and start two years ago, you heard a lot of the same, you know, last year it was Nelson Spruce, Tyler Higbee. A couple of years ago it was – you know, Todd Gurley obviously coming off the ACL injury, but excited about that and the new offensive lineman. So there's there's always good news. The thing the thing I worry about with Cooper Cup is this is a guy who was the seventh wide receiver taken, sixty ninth overall. Yeah. I can't I can't remember somebody in that situation that's had as much, you know, pressure, as many expectations <laughs> as Cooper Cup has.
1: He he is uh the hype train is running wild right now, let's put it that way. They there's I think that there's become this You know, it went from the, uh, you know, this prolific college receiver who was putting up these crazy numbers. It went from vet to savior. (laughs) You know, I think the the heights have gone so rampant, it's become the belief that, you know, he's going to come in and he's going to be this major savior for the the wide receiver position for the Rams. And, uh, you know, I'm always cautious with, you know, putting certain labels on guys before they ever even take a hit because, so many times, you know, you see these, you see these guys come in and they got this hype train, the gravy chain is running, and it doesn't work out, you know. And that's not to say yep. that it won't work out for Cooper Cup. I actually think Cooper Cup is going to be a, a good pro. I just don't think he's going to be, do. you know, an all pro. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be an all pro, and I certainly don't think he's going to be that in his rookie season. Um, I think that yeah, Cooper that's Cup a, is going to be that, he's going to be, Mister Consistent, you know he'll be that Mr. Yeah. Consistent, that, that Jericho Cotry type guy, you know, play for a good, good amount of years, be very consistent throughout that time, but never really breaking the mold or anything like that, you know. That's kind of what Cooper Cup is, and especially at, you know, like I said, he's 24, how much better is he going to get? He's already entering his prime, you know. So he, I think his, uh, his ceiling is very, very, very low, but his floor is high because he's so polished. You know, that's why I say nice. that uh, he. I, I'm I'm hesitant to go all in and say, oh, you know, he's gonna save the Rams receiver core. He's gonna be, you know, this All Pro. He's this future Hall of Fame or anything like that. Let the kid take a hit. <laughs> Let him get a hit. You know, let's see yeah. what he does first, and let's see if he if if he can get better at 24. You know, how much? I mean, I think he will get better because you know he's going from, you know, a lower level school to the NFL. He's gonna get better how much better is he going to get is the real question. I think that's what we have to ask. Ourselves. And
0: how long is it going to take him, right? I think that's exactly. the other thing is that, that that for whatever reason with Cooper Cup, people are expecting him to come in at a specific level instead of a guy who is coming from Eastern Washington. And it's not that he can't do certain things. It's that it may take him a while to acclimate to the, you know, talent level of the league. Look, You're talking you talk about the same draft in which they took Josh Reynolds coming out of the SEC yeah. playing against – you know LSU, Alabama playing against LFL cornerbacks. I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I have to go back and look. Has Cooper Cup ever played against an NFL cornerback? This might be his first time <laughs> playing against there NFL coverage. And, and, as, Oregon, <laughs> there hasn't been anyone from
1: Oregon. There hasn't been anyone from Oregon against get <laughs> Troy, in a while. Troy Hill. Troy Hill.
0: Yeah. Man, you're right, though. So I, it's one of those things where, as as excited as I am too about uh, Cooper Cup. Yeah, you know, it may it may take him a while, and that's okay. I mean, yeah. it takes rookies. That the the comparison that I saw that I kind of liked was T.J. Hushmandada. That that'd be yeah. a great you know career for a guy like Cooper Cup. And you go back to I looked up uh, his career. I did do this research, so I did I did my minimum homework. I got my C level research, not my A plus. Uh, went back and looked. His first year, he caught 21 passes for 228 yards. Didn't get a touchdown. Next year was 41 receptions. Then he missed almost all of 2003, and then by 2004 he was, the T.J. Hushmanzada we remember, at about 1,000 yards and in between, you know, five and ten touchdowns a year. So it took him a while to acclimate to the league. Um, And that may be what Cooper Cup has to do. Uh, T.J. Hushmanzada came out of Oregon State, so he was playing Pac-12 or at the time, you know, pre-Pac-12 football. But it's just one of those things where I wonder about Cooper Cup if he's going to take a learning curve to be able to adjust. Um, what what I think is maybe going to be interesting similarly is a guy like uh, Gerald Everett or John Johnson, some guys that were uh, deeper on the depth chart that got released with the media guide. They've, they've got to jump up too, and maybe that's what's uh, got them a little bit lower on the depth chart. What did you think about that one? You
1: know, it's, it's interesting because I think that, I think everyone's expectations is jaded because of when, you know, what, pick you were on the Rams' list of picks as opposed to what pick you were on the overall board of picks so what i mean by that is the Rams didn't have a first round pick so their first pick was gerald everett so when, when i think what the expectations is you know he's their first pick that and when you hear first pick it's like first round pick you know so the second pick is then cooper cup so now it's like second round pick. So I think the expectations for every player is almost a round higher than what it normally would be because of when they were picked on the Rams board as opposed to the overall board. Like we have to remember, Cooper Cup wasn't you know a top sixty five pick or anything like that. He you know he he was picked down that board you know and it, there was a there was a lot of rec- receivers taken before him and a lot of players taken before him for a reason. You know there there's there's certain things that uh, I think scouts look at and they say, okay, this player, yes, can be good for us, but we think this player has the potential to be great for us. You know, and that's, right. I think that's kind of what separates those players when you're talking about that top 100. Because let's be honest, when you draft a guy outside of the top 100 and you start getting down to that fourth round and stuff, the idea that when you take this player that he's going to be great, it's not in your head. The idea is, he's going to be deaf, and maybe in two or three years he could possibly be a starter. That's what the thought process yeah. is. And then you get lucky, and guys sometimes come in, and they just really knock it out the park and kill it. You know, you, you, every once in a while you find yourself a, a, a Russell Wilson or a Dak Prescott, but that's not what you're thinking when you draft that player at that slot. You know, so when you're looking at those top 100 picks, you're thinking, okay, early on this guy can be great, so we're going to take him first in this, early in the top 100. You know, he's somebody we want to go in our top 20, top 30, top 40 even. But then after that, you're saying, okay, this guy can probably be really good, but is he going to be great? I don't know. We might need to take him on the back half of that top 100, you know, that 45, 50 on down. And I think that's what the thought process was with Cooper Cup. As much hype as there was even before the draft, and it only intensified after the draft. You know, after Cooper Cup got drafted, going into the situation he went into, Everyone said this is a perfect situation. The Rams' receiver core not that good. He's going to save the world, <laughs> you know, because yeah. there was not there wasn't anybody blocking his way to targets per se. That, so to, that's the biggest the issue. Train really took off. <laughs>
0: yeah, that was the bigger issue is that there's nobody in front of them and that the Rams need saving. If, if they had yeah. somebody, you, you, even you know, if they had Julio Jones or whatever, and Tony Brown. And they drafted Cooper Cup. There, there, nobody would have those expectations of him because he'd be able exactly. to enter this team with ease and, and and take on a normal rookie 69th overall pick, overall pick role. Because Tavon Austin and Brian Quick essentially never developed into that guy, there's room for him and for those expectations to blossom. Um, I, I wonder if that's going to be the same for Gerald Everett. I know that you know the tight end position has been one of um, what's the right word focus or yes. um, reliance for Sean McVay in his system that he ran with Washington. Uh, I'm eager to see, you know, we're heading towards the opening of the preseason against the Cowboys on Saturday, Uh, how we use uh, Gerald Everett, the first uh, draft pick of the Sean McVay era, Tyler Higbee, who got through last season, but wasn't, you know, never lived up to the the, the hype that we got from the preseason, but especially training camp. And and then to Eric Hemingway, who's in there as a third tight end. I'm, I'm interested to see how that position shakes out.
1: And, you know, it's so funny because with Tyler Higbee, no one really knew that he was hurt until after the season, you know. And it was like, oh my gosh, what is he doing? You know, he's supposed to be the savior. Because let's 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 face it, even though he was a fourth round draft pick, that was that was that was last minute changing of the draft board. Tyler Higbee was going to go in the second round. Virtually every single person said it. Even Let's himself was like, you know. When you get a player like that that falls, you got to go get him when you get the chance. You know, no one ex- no one expected him to get into that bar fight. If he hadn't gotten to the bar fight, he goes a lot to them, at the very least, 30 picks earlier. So, right. Tyler Higby is super talented. And, you know, he, all the talk was that he was having such a good camp last year and everything. And, you know, he actually looked good in the first preseason game. They were throwing the ball to him a lot. You know, he was getting a lot of looks. But then nothing. it didn't really manifest to anything in the season. And then after the season, you hear Leslie, you know, just kind of without even really diving into it or anything, just kind of talking and running down the roster. And he mentions Tyler Higby, you know, being hurt for most of the year, which is something that no one really knew. He, You know, he wasn't really showing up on the injury report or anything like that, so it was kind of under the radar. And then you, but when you find that out, it's like, oh, okay. So now when you're hearing, oh, Tyler Higley's having a great camp, and you know that coming into the NFL, you know, the Rams put him as roommates with – uh, Jared Goff, and they Jared end up Goff, getting yeah. it off, and they build a, they, they build a great relationship. And now they got chemistry. And now this year, when they have a full off season and they're both all they're both healthy, now you're really starting to hear about Jared Goff and Tyler Higby having great chemistry, and Tyler Higby having a good day at practice almost every day. That's you hear that come out a lot, and there's been a lot of praise from um, Sean McVay towards Tyler Higby there's been praise from players that's talking about Tyler Higby, his teammates are talking about him. So, you know, if, if anything, even with as much praise as he's getting, there's probably still not as much hype as you would expect when you get that much praise. So he's kind of flying under the radar, which is probably a good thing for him. <laughs> you know, it gives him an opportunity. So Tyler Higby, as I, like I've said it plenty of times and I keep saying, I'm fully expecting a, a big year from him. Um Gerald Everett is the, 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 the point of emphasis here where you got to kind of gotta stop and look back like, well, what should we really expect? Because, you know, we talk about Cooper Cup making a jump. Gerald Everett's making an even bigger jump. <laughs> you know, he, sure. he's making a really, South really Alabama. big jump. And, yeah, South Alabama and not just South Alabama, South Alabama the where they, uh, they don't use their tight ends kind of how he's going to get used in the NFL. And he touched on this in a right. recent interview. He said... You know, it's really different. I've never been, I've never had to be this detailed before. You know, so it's a whole new world for him. And you hear Sean McVay unprompted talk about Tamaric Hemingway and how he's looked and how good he's looked. And you got to wonder, you know, can Tamaric Hemingway put pressure on Gerald Everett for that second spot? I definitely think that it's possible considering that he's got a head start on him. You know, um, he's got a whole year in the NFL of practicing and learning the ropes and everything. And, having an entire off-season to work out and learn everything. And Gerald Everett, you know, he's trying to get used to not necessarily the speed. He saying it's not the speed that's bothering him. It's just the, the the concepts of the the position. You know, when you have a guy that's kind of got that jump on you, it's not a total surprise that he could be creeping up on you, which I think is starting to become a battle. You know, that's becoming a, a roster battle there between Gerald Everett and Tameric Hemingway, which is one that I'm like you mentioned, this, the, in the preseason, I'm looking forward to how they shake out. I think Jared, I think Jared Everett's going to play a lot in this preseason, all throughout all four games. I think he's going to get a lot of clock, but so is Samaritan Hemingway.
0: Yeah, I mean, the good thing is that there aren't a ton of tight ends, really, for the Rams to cycle through. So they, they could get a ton of time beyond, the you know, the, as opposed to top wide receivers like uh, Robert Woods or Andrew Whitworth, obviously, or Jared Goff. Those guys could be in and out pretty quick. The tight ends could cycle, you know, well into the game, into the first half, into the third quarter, for Hemingway. I'd be interested to see. What What, what are you interested in, man? What What's the big storylines? We talked about tight end. We talked about Gurley. We talked about Cup. What do We haven't talked much about defense. What are you interested in uh, on Sunday or Saturday?
1: Sports? You know, I I'm I'm interested in two things actually. I'm looking forward to seeing a couple of players who you know, uh, almost five players, you know, who I'm looking at. I'm just like what are you going to do, <laughs> you know? And the first is being the, 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 the secondary. I, wanna, I know that the starters aren't going to play that much, so I'm not really looking for the starters in the secondary. I'm looking for the guys that's playing behind them, you know, the John Johnsons of the world and the Troy Hills, the Mike Jordans. What are these guys going to do when they get in there? Um, right now it looks like Mike Jordan is the fifth uh, quarterback and John Johnson is the fourth safety which is very interesting because Cody Davis is reportedly sure. having a really, really good camp. <laughs> and, you know, he's, he's looking really comfortable out there. So John, John Johnson is kind of buried be, behind, behind uh, Cody Davis. And you know that Maurice Alexander and LaMarcus Joyner are going to be the starters. So he's got some climbing to do. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what those depth positions are going to do uh, back there at the, uh, the set in the secondary. And then I'm looking forward to Simpson. He I really want to know how he's going to play, you know, he where it is. He's killing it on special teams. He's just kind of a natural. But the thing that's been yeah. a bit of a, a, a surprise is the word polish <laughs> have been used with him, uh, that he's more polished than expected. You know, so looking forward to seeing how he looks out there. I think that he's another person that we're going to see get a lot of clock. But then, the, or then I want to look at this D-line. Aaron Donald isn't there. Dominique Easley just got hurt. It's wide open. Who's going to step up? Opportunity. <laughs> Who is going to step up? You know, it's wide, wide, wide open. Like someone has to step up, make a name for themselves, and go take it. It's, it's sitting there to be taken. You've got to take it, you know. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. And then the offense. I want to know how this uh, this uh this guard tackle is gonna this combination is gonna work. They've switched it up. What, they what moved is going, Jamon Brown what is going back on, on with the offensive line? You, you know what? I think they've settled on the starters. They haven't settled mm-hmm. on where they're gonna play. You know, as, and Sean McVay said already. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's it's etched its own that it's gonna be Andrew Whitworth at left tackle, Roger Saffold at guard and then John Sullivan at center. That is etched in stone. He said those guys are moving. He says more so the other guys that were trying to figure out what's the best fit. And and they haven't necessarily taken Jamon Brown or Rob Havenstein out to put someone else in. They're just moving them back and forth to figure out what's best. Are they better? Is Havenstein better at guard, or is he better at tackle? Is Brown better at guard, or is he better at tackle? So I, 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 I love the fact that they have settled on a starting five, something that the previous regime never did. Because now you give them the opportunity to jail, get some continuity, Ty Gurley get used to running behind a specific uh, offensive line, but now it's just figure out what's the best fit for those last two over there on the right side.
0: Yeah, I don't. It's one of those things, and I, I said it as soon as it happened when they pushed Berg Robinson to right tackle. I said, let's not assume that's the end of it. You know, and then they flipped Havenstein inside and, kept, you know, when, when Robinson went over to the right tackle and pushed Brown Browning straight to right tackle, I said, let's not assume that's the end of this. Like you said, they may have settled on the starters, but they may not have settled on the positions. I just I – I, I worry what that means either in terms of, you know, the depth not you – know, you talked about opportunity. You talked about the secondary where guys are pushing, uh, you know, trying to get time. Maybe that's just an indication that the, that there's just not an opportunity for that, whether – that means something for Andrew Donnell and Cody Wickman and obviously everybody beyond them. Um, it's just one of those things that you wish. You've got a second-year quarterback who you need to, you know, resuscitate his NFL career. You've got a running back who sorely, sorely needs to get back on the horse. If the offensive line struggles or, God forbid, you know, an injury to Andrew Whitworth, say, I'm I'm worried, man. I'm worried that it's going to be that the what you're going to have to overcome to address offensive line deficiency with an offensive scheme is asking so much. And we saw we saw what happened the last two years when the offensive line play was so bad, and the Rams tried to to, to run around it um, and pass around it. Uh, it. It clearly did not work. I'm trying to be nice, <laughs> and so I, I just I don't know. I, I worry that that's something that we're going to have to figure out on the fly. Um, and that we may not have the personnel for. It, it, is there something, to, you know, either to the offensive line or the any other group that you're really interested in, not just necessarily for personnel? I was thinking about this on the way home on my commute. I think it was three years ago, two years or three years ago, um, where we were watching the Green Bay Packers preseason game and the Rams defensive front. Was struggling to get pressure the the first string I'm talking about, and yeah. I remember coming away from that game thinking something's not right with the front. And they, this was you know this we're talking about the sacks front first round picks Aaron Donald Michael Brockers Robert Quinn everybody ready to wreck. And I remember thinking that game if the starters are having issues something's wrong. And that was the season that we started. What was it one sack I think the first four yeah. games I think that might have been very, Aaron Donald's rookie season. So. Yeah, and, and th- that was the kind of thing that I, that I still remember um, taking away from the preseason was that some, an observation like that can be valid. Is there something that you're looking, let's say from a positive standpoint, to try to validate either the offensive line looking better with Whitworth or Jared Goff improving or Cooper Cup? Or, well, what are you hoping to really see that from a positive standpoint on Saturday uh, with the ones against the Cowboys?
1: I mean, honestly – it's the question that – it's your favorite question that I'm looking forward to is who's going to back up Andrew Whitworth. And it's right now, according Oof. to the depth chart, is Pace Murphy. You know, what is Pace Murphy going to bring? And I think this is going to be Aaron Cromer's opportunity to show how good he really is. Um, the Rams have brought in a lot of young linemen over the past couple of seasons. So he has variety. But no one can really say – um, they're this good or they're not this good or anything, because there really hasn't been much opportunity to see what they can do because the Rams have really been stubborn about benching certain players. You know, they they, they, they haven't taken Tim Barnes out of the game. They didn't take Greg Robinson out of the game. You know, they just let them, they just let them stay. And it was injuries that forced those players in some time. And there, there's still a lot of question marks because of the fact that we really don't know what those guys are capable of. Now, with that being said, If they were that good, they probably would have taken the spot, right? (laughs) You know, they probably would have been able to beat out a Greg Robinson or a Tim Moore. So now we're at the point to where we're saying, what can they do? What what will they bring? Are they going to – is Aaron Cromer going to be able to have these guys out here looking good, or or are we going to be more comfortable with the fact that if something was to happen, you know, there's, there's there's there's, there's no place on the field where more injuries happen than in the trenches. A lot of injuries happen in the trenches. You know, it's inevitable. Um, is they, are we going to feel comfortable coming out of this preseason where we say, hey, you know, they didn't look bad. <laughs> you know, in this first game, you know that, that uh, second unit of the O-line, they're going to get a lot of snaps in this first game. A lot of snaps. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they played the entire first half, other than maybe the first yeah. series. You know, after the first series, it's probably going to be that second unit. What are they going to do? are they going to look good? Are they going to give up pressure? Are they going to open some holes? Is Malcolm Brown going to be able to hit one? Like, how are they going to look? And I yeah. think that's where I think that's where my eyes are going to go is, you know, Pace Murphy starting first, you know, because we're putting a lot of eggs in one basket in regards to Andrew sure. Whitworth. You know, that seems Andrew to be Wirth. the common yeah. theme is Andrew Whitworth is going to save the, save the entire unit. You know, and I don't think that that's right or fair. <laughs> you know, I expect him to Dark. come in and make a huge difference not just from his physical ability as far as blocking, uh, but also his leadership and what he can bring from his knowledge and how he's going to help coach these guys up. Yes, I think Andrew Whitworth is going to be a huge bonus. I think the same thing about John Sullivan, not at all because of his physical ability, because I don't know what his physical ability is after the past two seasons, but I know that mentally he's going to make Jerry Goff a better player because he's going to help with protections, something that Jerry Goff struggles with, and he's going to make sure Jerry Goff understands where to go with the ball, who's coming, and things like that. So they've added some additions that mentally is going to make guys better, but at the same time, Andrew Whitworth can't go play for Jamal Brown. He can't go play for Pace Murphy. He can't go play for Rob Hagan. You know, he can't play for these guys. He can only help. So what are these guys going to do? What is Aaron Cromer going to do? How is he coaching these guys? So I think that uh, how they play on, on this first week, everyone should take note of it, and then we should see how they do in the second week. We have to see constant progression throughout this preseason to feel any sort of comfort more than to the regular season.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know. One of the good things I think that may help them is, uh, you know, Dallas doesn't have one of the better front sevens um, in the league. And, you know, especially, you know, you got somebody like Taco, Taco Charlton coming on, rookie, uh, not a lot of experience there. Uh, the front four isn't really that strong. So I'll be interested to see. It's a it's a good matchup. What's um, let's what's let's some uh, listener questions, reader questions, Facebook questions, whatever the hell those are called, liker questions. What do we get? What do we got from the fans this week?
1: We have actually we have quite a few. <laughs> we have quite a few people. I think they heard me on the last one say, "Hey, give me those questions." <laughs> you guys weren't playing. You got them out there, and I appreciate that. Uh, let's see the first one. Let's see. So the first question is about the receiver core. Who's going to be the starting receivers? I thought this was a good question. Actually, I'm going to hold off on this one. I want you to go ahead and answer that one first. Who do you think is going to be starting receivers? What are you What are you thinking? How are the, well, the production? How the targets going to be split up?
0: Yeah, starting is you know starting isn't necessarily indicative of target. You know, starting could be one of those things where a guy comes out and starts the first play. Take like somebody like Tavon Austin. He could come out and start the game, and not get a ton of action, right? Or you know, you start because you're thinking, okay, here's the package we want to use. And that doesn't work. <laughs> and so you go to a second package. So you might go from Tavon, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup to, you know, Josh Reynolds, uh, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. Or you could just go to Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. You could go to two wide receiver sets, work in a couple of multiple tight ends, uh, running backs. Um, I, I would expect to start the season, I'm going to go with Robert Woods, Tavon Austin, Cooper Cup. I think the, the, the Cup thing is just one of those things that I'll buy at least to get him on the starting roster. Between Tavon and Robert Woods, I think there's too much experience, um, you know, to be able to do enough that they're going to be asked. I think, I think they're going to be asked some really simple questions on the field early on. And those are guys that I think because of their experience in the NFL are going to be able to do some things. And then over the course of the season, it, it might not take that long. It may, hell, it might be the first game. I think we could see, depending on who makes the 53 man roster between Nelson Spruce, Josh Reynolds, Farrah Cooper, Mike Thomas, obviously Mike Thomas will be gone the first four games um, to see whoever makes the 53 man roster to see them start to work in, in various packages, uh, you know, Who's going to be the deep man? I'm not. I'm not buying the idea that Tavon Austin's a deep man. As good as his speed is, you you throw a ball up fifty-fifty, it's not a fifty-fifty ball for Tavon Austin. That's a that's a ten-ninety. There's a, there's almost no question yeah. that if he's covered, he he's not coming to, he down to be with it.
1: Way behind him. <laughs>
0: he got to be wide open. So <laughs> I'm not buying the idea Tavon is a consistent deep threat. I, I, he might run deep, but that's just to pull some focus away and open things underneath Robert Woods, you know, Cooper Cup. Josh Reynolds, those kind of decoys. Well, you know, there's, there's value in decoys. Maybe not as much as we're paying them, but there's, there's value <laughs> in decoys. A, a, a too expensive decoy. So in terms of starting wide receivers, I'm going to go with Tavon, uh, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup to start. But I don't think – if I'm being honest, I think Tavon's usage over the course of the season is going to decline Uh, I think we're going to see somebody get a big opportunity and kind of run with it, whether it's Spruce, uh, Farrell Cooper, Mike Thomas. And I know you love him. It sounds like McVeigh is pretty high on Mike Thomas too. So that could be the guy where they kind of ride Tavon, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup for a month. And then by the time we get to week five, we see Mike Thomas uh, come in. And I can see Tavon really, you know, suffering from that. So that even though he's the week one starter by October – it becomes clear that maybe he's not really a a part of the offense.
1: No, I I agree. It definitely seems like um, uh, Sean McVay is very high on Mike Thomas. And it's funny because he, again, that word unprompted just kind of went out of his way to just talk about the fact that they, that Mike Thomas is still very much so part of some big plans of his, you know, he, he he really made a great – he made a very good impression on him. You know, uh, yeah, even clearly, with the clearly. suspension, he, he likes him some Mike Thomas, and he has some plans yeah. of using Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas is in the future of the Rams with Sean McVay yeah. there. He, um, here's the
0: question that I have, though. Is that because of Mike Thomas, or is that because nobody else on the roster offers what Mike Thomas does? I don't know the answer, but I could see that being a question that maybe – uh, gets a, get, if there's no obvious answer this year, there may become a more obvious one next year if the Rams either don't find somebody to compete with them for whatever that role is, or if it's the opposite. If Mike Thomas excels and whatever McVeigh said, that praise that he's heaped upon him, you know, gets verified over the course of the season. And we say, okay, Mike Thomas has a part of this
1: offense. Moving forward. You know, I think it's a mixture of both. Um, I think it's no one else offers what he offers because he's 6'2 and he can run. Um, How many receivers on this team are even 6'2 to begin with? (laughs) And for the ones that are, how many can run? We have some very slow receivers. Um, You you look at the guys that are 6'2 or taller, uh, the the, the, uh, first off cup who's expected to be the third option um, thus far. Um, So your third option is your tallest receiver, and he's 6'2 and – He's not the fastest. You look at Nelson Spruce, He's not the fastest. Paul McRoberts. He's not the fastest. You know, so there's going to be a lot of, lot of lot of intermediate work. Exactly. You know, you only have one guy that's tall that can stretch the field and have you know have that length to go get the ball as well. You know, so and that is Mike Thomas. But then I also think it's the fact that he's kind of taking it. You know, he's he's taking the bull, he's taking the bull by the horns. You know, you you hear about how hard he's working and how he didn't really leave the facility this offseason, he put in that extra work, and he's staying after practice daily on the jug machine and running extra routes. He's actually putting in that work. So I think it's a mixture of both. And uh, he, uh, he, was, he was indeed a bit underrated coming out. Um, and it's because of, you know, the school he went to, he didn't really have the exposure of other players and things like that. So that makes sense. But was he ever going to be a number one overall draft pick? No, absolutely not. You know, he was never going to be yeah. – you know, a, a first, second, or a third round pick, but he probably could have gone in the fourth, as opposed to the uh, to the uh, sixth. Uh, I, he could have probably even went in the late third, but he was never going to be much more than that. So, when you say that he's underrated, that, that he was underrated a bit coming out, it doesn't necessarily mean that he was some um, just some really, really good player, some gem that everyone knew about. But you saw potential there. You know, you you saw the right. length, you saw the speed. You know, you saw all of that. And now it's about putting it all together. And it seems like he, he's working towards that. And Sean McVay in, is enjoying what he's seeing. Uh, for me, if I had to say a starting uh, group, first off, th- with this offense, it doesn't really matter who starts because I think that um, the goal is about spreading the ball. You know, I don't think that there, anyone's going to truly, you know, be that dominant we gotta force feed him the ball. You know, I don't think that's gonna be the mm. case. I think it's gonna be about getting the ball spread out. I don't think we're gonna have a thousand yard receiver. I don't think we're gonna have a ninety hundred yard receiver. You know, I think about eight twenty five to eight fifty is probably gonna 30. be at best. You know, at best. But I don't think that it's gonna be you know anything like that. It's gonna and the next receiver is probably gonna be like 75, 80 yards behind him. It's gonna be very spread out. And the ball's gonna go all over the place. So who's starting it doesn't who, really matter who do you but, think, uh, who do you think is getting eight hundred and fifty yards? If that's max. <laughs> that's max. Ah. That's, yeah, that's where I'm capping uh, it off at. I don't think I I don't think we yeah. get a thousand yard receiver. I'm saying at best we get eight fifty. But we're probably gonna have yeah. something about a hundred yards less, about seven fifty. And it would probably be uh it would probably be um, Robert Woods that would get Robert that Woods, or, yeah. Tyler Higby, or Tyler Higbee. Or Tyler Higbee. Higby. I think that is the dark horse to kind of hit that uh, hit that seven hundred and fifty spot, uh, but top three receivers is going to be Cooper Cup, Robert Wood, and Tavon Austin. Um, I do I do think Tavon Austin is going to have his best season. I just don't think it's going to be a thousand yards. <laughs> you know, I think he's probably going to be right around that seven hundred yard mark, uh, roughly. He, he his receiving all uh, reception uh, yards per catch go up.
0: What
1: else we got from the fans, man? And that one, by the way, was from Rams Fanatic. That was a that was a, that was a good question to start off with. He 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 brought it with that one. I'll give him his credit. <laughs> so Rams next, Fanatic uh, eighty one. Thanks, Keon. I see you. Yes, Rams Rams Fanatic. He uh he says he's a big fan of the show, so I gotta give him a shout out. So next we Thank got you. something from Facebook. We got some Facebook questions from Garrett Mickelson. He said, "Should the Rams be seeing more of a two tight end set since we drafted Everett and have Higby? Also, what improvements should we see from Tree this year with Phillips three mm-hmm. four? We got a two parter. Two parter. Want to dive into that one?
0: Uh, I'll leave the Tree one for you because improvements. I don't. I don't know. Um, in terms of the two tight end set, the problem the, the Rams ran some two tight end sets." with Lance Kendrick and Tyler Higby, the problem is that Higby was never – he was the, the inexpensive decoy, right? He was a guy that was out there that was never getting work in the passing game. So it made it easy for teams to try to deal with him because they knew he wasn't a primary target. Um, hopefully – I, I don't know that we'll see more of a 2 tight end set. What, what I'd like to see is a more uh, – what's the right word? Unpredictable 2 tight end set yeah. where let, – let's say it's Higby and Everett where you feel that both of them are equally likely to be targets, as are, you know, if if you're going with the traditional set, the other two wide receivers on the field, we talked about two wide receiver look, if it's Tavon and Robert Woods, that of the four guys, all four of them could be your first read or second read. And, And I think that would be, something that, I, that I'd appreciate more than just the idea of more two tight end sets it's almost an idea of quantity versus quality I think there's a, yeah. there, there was a quality deficit in the two tight end sets last year that could go way up this year and that's uh, even if the quantity is less if the quality is more I think we could get more out of that and out of the tight ends even early
1: you know, before I answer the second part of this question, I have a question of my own, just kind of, you know, piggybacking off of the tight, two tight end question. When we're in the two tight end set, who comes off the field for the receivers?
0: Yeah, I'm not so
1: sure that it's Tavon. Do you really Do you because really, the whole point of the scheme of this is having those different levels. They want to send a guy deep more times than not. They want to have a guy underneath. The yeah. They want a guy underneath. You know, do you take off the deep threat to do this? I don't think so. So, it's if it's not tape-lined, then that would leave Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. So who do you pull off?
0: Mm. Yeah, no, I don't know. Uh,
1: that's food for thought. <laughs> and,
0: well, maybe that's something we can, uh, we can answer for on Saturday. That'd, that'd be a good look, uh, something that we could take away from the preseason as an answer to. You know, if they go to heavily to two wide receiver, two tight end sets, that 12 uh, look, how many people uh, – you know, who, which people get on the field at wide receiver? The tree question is interesting. I I, I don't know that, yes. that that necessarily we're going to get an idea of improvement. I think yeah. the the question is what responsibilities would we see from tree that's different? And for tree, you know, you're also talking about Mark Barron. What what responsibilities are going to be different? I don't I don't know that there will be any that are apparent early on, but I think by the end of the season we may be able to pick on some. What, what do you think about tree working I- under Wade in year one?
1: I think the word "improvement" is so heavy because it wasn't that tree was a bad player last year or anything like that. He missed right. a lot of tackles. He he missed. He was. I think he was top five in missed tackles last year. So he missed a lot of tackles, and that was more so bad technique, not being a bad ta- tackler, just simply trying to blow people up too often. You know, which is not necessarily a good thing. Uh, looking for the kill shot every time, but. You know, he he played a good season and he was a pro bowl alternate, so it was recognized by his peers. It wasn't something that went unnoticed. Uh so as far as improvements go, I don't think that there's gonna be a lot of improvements because like I said, he was a pro, all, he was a pro bowl alternate. <laughs> you know, the only improvement he could have is to make the Pro Bowl officially as a, as opposed to being an alternate. Um now as far as responsibility, you know, the way you posed it, um I would say that his, his responsibility will actually be less. Um, he's not going to have to worry about – Could be. Uh, you, you know, he's not having to worry about everyone else so much because it's going to be so much roaming. He's going to be allowed to roam for the first time in his career where he could just go, go get the ball, find the ball, go get the ball, do your thing. You know, there's going to be a lot of roaming from those linebackers uh, between him and Mark Barron. They're just going to kind of be allowed to to go. You know, and I think that's going to be interesting because then they're going to be playing off instinct a lot more, and not thinking as much. So I think his responsibility is actually going to get a little go down a little bit. I think the the players whose responsibility goes up under Phillips is the secondary um, because they're kind of put on an island. You know, they, they they're their um, their their hands are kind of tied. <laughs> you know, they don't really have a choice because of the way Phillips likes to rush the passer. Uh, those sure. second the secondary players, they're gonna. They're gonna see a lot more responsibility They're going to get in there. that's kinda of where yeah. but Lamarcus Joyner's role if anybody uh is uh, is gonna grow up, uh, go up is gonna be Lamarcus Joyner kind of having to be that deep quarterback, you know, making sure everyone's ready to roll and making the right decision of who needs help, who do I cheat over for, who do I move down closer to the box for, you know, those things are all gonna yep. be on his plate. That
0: was a good question. <laughs> uh, yeah, well,
1: very good question. That. So, see, uh, Sean Faye. Garrett Mickelson. Sean Faye. You're, you're, you're very close to
0: Sean, Sean McVay uh, well, there. <laughs> to that be fair to Sean, I, yeah, Sean had a great question. He was just a day off. So, I, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, here's the thing. We can't answer Sean's question today. His question was, now that we've established potato preference, let's talk about chicken. The problem was the Rams <laughs> preempted him today. The Rams – Instead of talking about chicken, wanted to talk about microwaved eggs. They had a great video out about <laughs> microwave. eggs. Did you see
1: the video yet? Were
0: you able to watch this between I, Danny and was, nutritionist Joey? I did
1: not get the chance to watch it, but oh, I did man. hear about it. <laughs> I My did son, hear about the egg it, uh, question.
0: So here's, here's the thing. Um, I get the idea that the Rams want to put out content. Kevin Demoff said it himself. is that the, He doesn't consider the Rams a football team. They're a content production company, and that the football – is just part of the content they sell.
1: Uh,
0: microwaved eggs. Have, have we gone too far? Are we putting up too are we putting up too much content from our favorite NFL team? Let me ask you this, man. Let, let let's start here. What is your favorite way to enjoy eggs? What is your favorite egg-based dish?
1: <laughs> Cuz I will have omelet. an omelet. What kind of- <laughs>
0: well, okay, what kind of an omelet? This is very different. A Denver omelet versus ham and cheese versus nothing, just eggs? What's the, the most? on I
1: have never – if you're going to have nothing and just eggs, scribble it or hard over something. What the hell? Who makes yeah. an omelet with nothing in it? That doesn't even make sense to me. You know, that's just silly. If I'm talking to you – Very minimalist. <laughs> no, if I'm, a, if I'm making an omelet, put some spinach in there, some bell peppers, some onions. some. You know, I, I really – I like a lot of vegetables in mine. Except for mushrooms, I don't need mm. that, that negativity in my life. No mushrooms in my omelet. You know, chop up some bacon, throw it in there. You know, I I, I like yeah. mine to be pretty pretty healthy and but but then we're also gonna destroy some of that health by throwing some bacon in there. <laughs> some bacon and some sauces, chop it up and throw it in there. My my omelette's gotta be pretty loaded. There's a lot of cheese in there too, so yeah. We're uh, there's balance sauces. of See, health and there's balance no. of destroying my life. <laughs>
0: You mentioned the sausage, a, mic, a microwaved egg omelet in a cup with some sausage, I guess, is the go-to for, for the Rams this year. I'll be honest. I, I asked it on Twitter what people's eggs' preferences were. We got a lot we of great answers. Uh, we had some great responses. And one I was surprised that nobody mentioned was poached. Nobody – and I get it. If making a poached egg at home is a pain in the ass. But, but if, not everybody's eating at home on a Sunday – yeah, there was no votes for eggs Benedict. That seems very as a as a fan of brunch. I have to admit that I've got a uh, I've got a stake in the game here. I am very pro brunch. If we're going to get political, and, and to not hear anybody support a poached egg, I was a little disappointed. Man, it's a it's a new America. But yeah, a lot of fans of omelets. somehow it just morphed into bacon. People didn't even want to talk about eggs; they just wanted to talk about bacon, as if the eggs there were just there a lot to support of people the didn't
1: bacon. Say bacon. <laughs> Bacon, 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 bacon. Like, because, <laughs> because bacon makes your life better. <laughs>
0: it does. So the bacon, gang,
1: bacon, god dang. <laughs> I, they were like they were they were on the bacon. Bacon is, but bacon, like I said, it makes your life better. You know, it, it does. Like when you put bacon on a burger, that burger has just become like so much better. <laughs> it's it's taking it's evolved. You know, when you put bacon with your eggs. Your breakfast just got so much better. So I understand the bacon. Like I said, bacon and omelet. Can't go wrong with that.
0: I did, I did see somebody. You know, I'm a, I'm a southern man to my core. I grew up in Texas. My family's from Louisiana. Uh, to see somebody come out uh, with maybe the most southern option possible, this is 540ZCIG on Twitter, aka What a Sham. I don't even know what this dude's name is. His answer egg sandwiches, cheese, mayo, hot sauce. Bruh, you are you are on point. You are you are my winner of the day.
1: Egg, Hold cheese,
0: up. mayo, hot sauce. <laughs> hell yeah. Where the
1: where the hell did the mayo come from?
0: <laughs> it doesn't matter. You find a way. Find a way to get it in there with the cheese and the hot sauce. It'll work. Oh man, good stuff. Hey, Thanks that for Sean yeah, oh, man. Uh, see, I'm already hungry. Now I'm hungry. Oh, dude we, can't, dude, we can't do this. I can't eat after dinner before I go to bed. Enough, so that's asking for diabetes. Oh, man, it's a good man. You know Hot what? I went, to this, I went
1: to this great barbecue place here in St. Louis called Sugar Fire for lunch today. Me and, Does, and another guy I, I have it.
0: heard nothing but
1: praise. We left the office to go to Sugar and We said, you know what? We're going to eat good today. But then I got there. And I destroyed the baked beans and the the smothered potatoes and all that stuff. I didn't even touch my sandwich, so I smashed it leaving football practice this evening. And I didn't care <laughs> if it wasn't warmed up. It was a check this out. It was a brisket Philly cheesesteak. and it was so damn amazing. The thing touched my soul. I promise. We like had a connection. Now I want to go Sugar fire school, seems so. to have
0: that effect on people.
1: Yeah, I love sugar fire. Love Sugar Fire. If you ever sure in you have to go to Sugar
0: Fire. <laughs> Shout out to but the folks at Sugar Fire. Team. Next week, I'm coming back with a Los Angeles barbecue. Uh, so thanks to Sean Faye for the chicken question that we had to switch to eggs. Next up was Zach Martin, Cooper Cup, Wes Welker with Dan Orlovsky as his QB. Discuss no Zach Martin. We won't discuss. Next Alex Milardi. What does the Rams <laughs> leaving Donald off the depth chart mean? What we gotta we gotta discuss that?
1: <laughs> we
0: gotta discuss we don't have to Dan Orlovsky.
1: We don't have to discuss that question. We have to discuss why this question was even asked. <laughs> what the hell?
0: Because Zach's, Zach's a creative man. He's, he's not Zach bound by... a very by...
1: creative man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Shout out to you, Zach. Appreciate it, man. Alex what what is the Rams leaving Donald off the depth chart? I mean, for the future, are we going to botch it and let him walk? That's something we haven't talked about is the Aaron Donald. <laughs> um, we're, we're approaching the date. I think it's tomorrow. I'll go back and check. I think it's tomorrow at which he has to re- report or he's going to miss out on what's called an accrued season. In other words, yes. this season wouldn't count towards his NFL career, which affects his free agent uh, availability. What, what do you think, man? Are we, are we going to see Aaron Donald in camp tomorrow? Or if it's not tomorrow, whatever the day is for him to report. Is that? It, it, or, and I've seen some people on Twitter suggest this, that supposedly the holdout, I think it was the L.A. Times had a piece on it, that the holdout is going to continue. Deeper into training camp what do, you, what, what do you think about the Aaron Donald holdout Now that we're nine practices in
1: You know I do fully expect it to hold, Him to hold out deeper into training camp He hasn't <sighs> made a peep You know he hasn't yeah. made a peep The rims I've never seen less need Less confident in my life When he talks He's making all these dumb analogies And all this other stuff When he talks about Aaron Donald He's very unsure And that's a first you know, even even as, his, as a rookie GM, he was always confident, having fun in front of the mic, joking around with the media. When Aaron Donald's name gets mentioned, you don't see that. <laughs> and, you know, um, yeah. it, 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 it's interesting because uh, ESPN staff writer uh, Alden Gonzalez, you know, he wrote a piece this week talking about Aaron Donald and saying that the Rams were stuck between what's fair and what's prudent. And for me, I just think that's the dumbest thing in the world. How can there be – how can you say that that what's fair and what's prudent? Like, there's only one side to this, and it's what's fair. (laughs) You know, you have your best player. And let's be honest, we haven't seen a player this good on the rims since the greatest show on turf. He's better than every rim we've seen since The only The only other one would be Steven
0: Jackson, yeah. Yeah. Steven
1: Jackson is a close call, but I still would say Aaron Donald is a better player then Steven Jackson. Yeah, sure. if Steven Jackson was damn they're good. The, they're,
0: the only, they're the only two in that tier. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You know, yeah. so for him to be the best player you've had in at least twelve or thirteen seasons, okay? Yep. Dominant. Absolutely dominant. And not just the best player you've had, but he's one of the most transcendent players we've seen in the NFL. You know, you and even with uh, John Randall and, and Warren Sapp, you know, some of the best interior pass rushers we've seen, none of them have yeah. quite been as dominant as Aaron Donald. You know, he he literally takes over games. Even It is more than just sacks. You know, it's his ability to make tackles in the backfield, it's his ability to rush the passer and throw, the, throw off the timing, his ability to make the running back change course, not every single thing he does shows up on the scoreboard, and the Rams realize this. This is something this yeah. is, this is something that's not uh that goes unnoticed. It might go unnoticed to just someone sitting on their couch watching the game that's probably not looking for those things. But any player in the NFL, any GM, any coach, they all see this. So it's well known who Aaron Donald is. He's the first rim to gain the type of respect that he has. You know, he, he's getting Tell a me. lot of love from around the league. You know, so it it's it's understood that Aaron Donald is yeah a generational talent (laughs) you know you don't get these players often and for him to be as dominant and as hard a worker he is you don't hear anything bad about Donald he's never in trouble all he does is work out he doesn't even take vacations every year he says I'm going to take a week off to go see some family and I'm going to start to work (laughs) like what (laughs) you know he's all about the game those are the players you have to reward um it's not his fault that the Rams haven't been winning. <laughs> you know, he's actually one of the few players that's even been there every single week. You know, he's he's not being injured or anything like that. He's there every week. He's there at every practice. He doesn't miss practices. He's there, and he's performing. You have to pay him. It's just that simple. Because if you, if you let him come back to camp without a contract, I can guarantee you Aaron Donald is going because he will not sign a franchise yeah. tag. It's not happening. <laughs> if he comes back without a contract, it's over. This is it. He will yeah. play out his last two years, and he's out of here. You have officially screwed yourself out of one of the best players ever lace yeah. him up. And that and that is where it looks like the Rams are headed to because to even ask the question of what's fair and what's prudent, it's mind-boggling to me. It's like there's only one option here: pay the man. And for me, when you have a player that that good, you know that the, that the money that it costs to sign players, any player for any position, goes up each year. Every year that number goes up. Three years ago, what it cost to sign a quarterback isn't the same what it costs nine. Now it's different. It's going up at least six million dollars. <laughs> you know, so when you look at Aaron Donald. For me, it makes sense to sign him now anyway. Why would you want to wait two or three years where that price tag is going to get even higher? <laughs> you know, it does, that doesn't even make sense. I understand that you have him under control and for cheap, and you don't even have to change that, by the way. Again, a yes. nice signing bonus does not go against the cap. And you can keep that cap low, and you keep them cap numbers low for the next two years. Give him a nice signing bonus for a contract that begins after the next two years. It's not that hard. But they're just kind of, at this point, being stubborn. (laughs) And it doesn't make sense to me why they would be stubborn with a player like this who's as good as he is. You know, let's look at a uh, Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens is one of my favorite all-time receivers. But let's be honest about it. He could be a headache. You know, but yet he was still one of the best receivers ever. And in my opinion, he was the second best receiver to ever lace him up. The numbers certainly say that. But if you were to say, oh, well, we want to be stubborn with this player because he's a headache. So we don't want to be so willing to just give up. I could understand that. But Aaron Donald is that player, so why not pay him? It doesn't make sense to me.
0: Yeah. Well, I can't, Here's the thing. I can understand why they would do it, but I can't understand why they think they could or should get away with it. I, th- I think Alden Gonzalez had a good write-up on the two competing approaches, the financially prudent approach and then the do-right-by-your-player approach. And, and, and I get but I think he laid out the arguments for both pretty, pretty well, uh, that the financially prudent approach, you've got somebody who on the market probably earns twenty to $24 million, a year, somewhere in there, something like, you know, an $80 million four-year market outlay who over the next two years is going to earn about $8 million. So you're essentially saving $32 million, or to look at it from the labor perspective, he's, you're costing him $32 million earned. Um, the, 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 pro, the only problem I have with the financially prudent approach is why you, why anybody would defend the Rams as being a team that can take it, that, that, that a team that has not been able to win for the last 14 years, that a team that just signed Tavon Austin a year ago, that a team that needs more Aaron Donald than it has to, to lose. Would would suddenly take the financially prudent approach when that didn't seem to be either either seem to be an option or or seem to be an option that they entertain seriously. I don't know why you would take that now with Aaron Donald. And and I get the idea that oh, you saved thirty two million by keeping him around for these two years. And if he decides to walk, he walks. And you know, you have to make decisions in the financial interest of the club. I do not understand why you would come to side this is the player you do that for. Um but hey, we'll see. It's uh it's a tough situation but it's it's the business side and it's the cold world of the NFL
1: that uh, a lot of times
0: we don't get it, a lot of reporting man. on. I uh, know. Yeah It's, Alex, it's for the, question, it's the business
1: and it is a cold world.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um so that was what we got on Facebook. What else we got from Twitter?
1: That's that's it. We've run through all of them. We have, we have some good questions here.
0: We did this week. Uh, we talked about uh, what to make with um, here Here's a question for you, man. Uh, it, the, the Los Angeles-Dallas connection is one that I'm seeing building. Uh, the idea yes. of Jerry Jones helping Stan Kroenke relocate uh, the franchise to Los Angeles. And then a year later, Jerry Jones making the Hall of Fame. Dallas Cowboys being the first preseason game last year, as well as a training camp, uh, you know, uh, what's the right word? Um, Assistant. Let's just call it partner. In 2015. <laughs> oh, what? Right.
1: I said, let's just call the, it partner. Uh, How about
0: that? A partner. There you go. That's a, that's a perfect word. A training camp partner in 2015 helping them relocate the team in 2016, first preseason game in 2016, first preseason game in 2017, a regular season game in 2017, although that's predicated, obviously, on other factors. That, yeah, I'm starting to see we're, we're talking about a, a, an environment where the NFL is trying to manufacture a rivalry between the Rams and the Chargers for obvious reasons. Can you see a, a relationship, for better or worse, being built between the Rams and the, the Cowboys, as as much as the two have been connected over the last two years, certainly the organizations have a lot of familiarity with one another. I wonder if that's something that's going to carry over on the field, either for better or for worse.
1: Money talks. it. Okay. <laughs> and when you have yourself Stan Kroenke, who is the second richest owner, uh, you have yourself Jerry Jones, who – I think top five of the richest owners, top six or something like that, but not just money, but influential because of the money and the moves that he makes. You you can kind of do things that other people can't do, you know. And uh, between Stan Kroenke and Jerry Jones, when you have that much money and that much power, and you form a friendship. Things start to change, and they change in your favor. I think that the I think it's 100% in their plans to create a uh, a, a, a connection between L.A. and Dallas. I mean, yeah, L.A., which is the city, is it's one of the biggest in the world. <laughs> you know, the market is insane, and then you have quote unquote America's team. So, can you imagine if the Cowboys played in L.A. they are already being called America's team. I don't know how they represent a whole damn country without consulting everyone else, but apparently they do. Could you imagine having that team play in LA? Like that's crazy, right? So when you have one guy who has the market and the other guy who has the team and they've built this friendship, I think it makes sense, you know, uh, as far as the, the, the power struggle, the push to really control things in the NFL it makes sense as to why they're working together. Because as I said, they have that friendship. And when you have that friendship and you're willing to work together, you're creating a, a, a super team, <laughs> you know, not, and when I say super team, I don't mean football team. I mean, between Jerry Jones and um, Stan Kroenke there, you're seeing them together because they're, they're wanting to get that marketability through each other. You know, um, the Rams need it. You know, they need the, the, sure. uh, the games with the Cowboys, because if you have the Cowboys playing the Rams, you're going to get good ratings because people want to see the Cowboys. No, but that's one thing and, you have to And that's say on network on Saturday, national broadcast on exactly. Saturday. <laughs> exactly. That's one thing you have to say about the Cowboys. No matter what type of season they're having, they're going to get ratings. You can't say that about the Rams, even yeah. with them moving back to L- L.A. When they were losing at the ratings end of the season, age. that stadium was bare. <laughs> you know, so when you when you have a games with the Cowboys, you're really building a viewership. You know, you're bringing in new fans. You're getting sort of a, a rivalry formed, but not through playing on the field. You know, it's uh, you look at the Rams and the 49ers or the Rams and Seahawks. Those rivalries came from just years of games that some really good games, some hard hits, some guys that don't like each other. And that's how rivalries are normally born it's almost like Jerry Jones and and, and Stan Kroenke are creating a rivalry on their own. Like I've never seen this happen before. So it's so new to me. (laughs) You know, I've never seen two owners make their own rivalry, but the owners are friends. (laughs) You you just, you don't see that every day, but that's what it seems like they're doing. And to me, it seems more like a marketing ploy than anything. They're really building up of each other. This, I, and I think it's genius as far as money goes. You know, they're putting they're about to put a lot of money in their pocket by having this year to year to year connection. And it, it, I don't think it's ever going to I don't think it's going to change because if you get the fans, but now you got the fans talking trash to each other. Now they're really into it. So now they want to go to the game. Now they want to watch the game. So I think it's I think it's a good idea as far as marketing goes. But it's it's really fun. It seems uh, disingenuous to a point because you are kind of forcing the rivalry if that makes sense.
0: Oh, they, here's here's the thing that I've said about the Chargers and I think, you know, only because this week with the Cowboys in front of us I thought it about it a little bit. Um it is this They are forcing it. But you, it, all it's gonna take is one meaningful game. See, part of the problem for the Rams is we had We've had what, two meaningful games in the last decade? You the two thousand ten, uh, you know, seven and nine or seven and eight week seventeen game in Seattle with the chance to make the playoffs. And then just on conference circumstance, week one, 2016, uh, back in Los Angeles. Other than that, there haven't really been big Rams games that really, 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 really mattered in the annals of history. Um, so when you talk about the Chargers and the Cowboys, yeah, preseason doesn't really matter. Yeah, you know, playing Dallas early on in the season doesn't matter. Give it two, three years if the Rams, if McVay is able to turn this team around and let's say the Chargers and the Cowboys are good, let them play in December, right? Let let a, let a seven and four team, a Rams team, play a seven and four Chargers team in December, and, and I, I promise you that rivalry won't seem anywhere near as manufactured. It, it will it will turn pretty damn quick in, into something that uh, people are more than happy to admit turned into something. Um, let, let's see, moving forward, we got. Uh, we got the Cowboys on Saturday. We're going to have some coverage going into that, uh, previewing the site, um, looking at uh, matchups, looking at. Do I?
1: What are you thinking about that, that? That the Cowboys game? How do you? How do you really think we're going to look? Just overall team wise, I mean, not necessarily individually, but what are you thinking about the Cowboys game? Like, is uh, Are you thinking? And... Are you, you? Are you thinking the, they're going to come out looking good? You know, with the first time we're seeing them. Possibly sloppy because it's the first time We've seen them like what are your expectations
0: The the way I put it is sloppy I don't know if it's sloppy I I think what's different Is you're going to have You've got a Cowboys team that's Been with Jason Garrett for years Right Um, Even even though you've got you know Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott are just in the Second year uh, in the NFL Jason Garrett's been there for uh, What I think Six years now something like that Um, Yeah so in terms well, of six or seven it, years. It, it, something like that. So, so in terms of what they're trying to do, he, Tyron Smith's been there for years. Dag Prescott got the offense all of last year. They've got you know, Sean Lee's been there. they've got people in place who know what they're doing. I think it's not necessarily that the Rams are going to be sloppy. This is their first chance to run this full speed against somebody who's trying to do what they need to do. As much as you want to try to get an install in against the Chargers in a joint practice, that's not when guys' careers are made. You talked about the idea of seeing guys and deciding between, you know, the fourth cornerback or the fourth safety. And this is, this is where you actually make those decisions. So when we get into – and obviously you, you, everybody's going to want to focus on the first string and all that. But when you get into the second half, you've got guys who are fighting for the jobs. Um, and, and so it's not necessarily the idea of sloppiness from the ones. It's just the idea that this is the first time that Sean McVay and Wade Phillips and Matt LaFleur get to put a game plan together and get to try to see who can execute it uh, and do different things over the course of the game. And so I think as opposed to Jason Garrett, who's had plenty of time to do that, this is their first chance to do it. And I think um, if, if sloppy is not the right word, maybe it's just uh, untested and getting this first test under them, I think couldn't come sooner, uh, you know, to, to just get it done and be able to respond to certain stuff moving forward. I think is going to be the most important thing. That's what we're going to come on the site, man. That's what we're going to respond to when we get to Saturday. Um, it's going to be fun. Going to get to see a bunch of people in the Coliseum. We've got some roster changes for Terch Show times that I'm eager to announce soon. We've got a whole uh, new crew of new writers coming in. I, I, I wanted oh, yes. to be able to get it done in time to be able to announce it tonight, but we're not quite there. So I'm going to hold off until we can announce it on the site. Maybe bring one of those guys on next week to be able to talk about the Rams, get some new perspective. I've uh, got a couple new guys in the LA area who are going to be able to cover down on practice reports Game stuff—it's gonna be fun, man. We got stuff going down. Uh, what, what else? I, I guess the, the big thing is just Saturday. We got preseason. Yeah. We finally made that's it, the, man. It's been—it's it. <laughs> been eight months, eight months plus, eight months in a week since I was in LA for my birthday, January first, to see that lovely game, that lovely contest between the Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. Here we go, man. <laughs> 2017 Rams as a go. I was leaving that to you. I was trying to make a soft segue to son with some words of wisdom.
1: But <laughs> there, there is no words of wisdom. <laughs> my, my words and of wisdom you know what? is yeah. my words of wisdom are very simple. Don't screw this up. <laughs> you guys better get that's this a, right on the right right. first try. No, <laughs> my expectations are not that, that high. That they there are higher than they have been in the last few years. I will say that, and that's good enough for me. Let's do it. Go Rams. See you all on the other side. Peace out. Off. The
0: Rams get down, so nobody's scores. And don't you worry 'cause the Rams are rapping. When game time comes, we'll back to Jackson. We can't sing and our dance is not pretty, but we'll do our best for the team and the city. So get on your feet and clap your hands. Let's ram it right now with the L.A. Rams. Hollywood handsome, Dodge city tough. If you throw it my way, it's gonna get rough. I like to ram it, as you can see. Nobody likes
1: ramming any more than me. They call me Zeta, nobody dresses with it. But this cool as a quarterback the quarterback Mysterio. I come from the air, looking for the sack. I don't stop coming till I put them on the back.
0: An old special team I know how to rock from the toes to the head When I pull the sugar, I'll knock you dead I'm a
1: mountain man from West VA They call me Herc and I came to play I learned long ago if ram it just right You can ram it all day and ram it all night My stock. I catch what they told me, and I like the block. I'm quick off the line as I can be, cause I don't want dick running over me. This is baby face,
0: and I don't yield. I'm a Texan fool on the football field. From the Jersey Shore to Baboa Bay, if you run
1: at me, you'll have a bad day. This is RB, no speedball round. Fastest man in the whole damn town. Cards and ladies are part of my creed, but more than that, I feel the need to speed. This is Catcher, out to make a run. With shade done, I can catch a BB in the dark. So now you're ready, and I'm sure you'll agree. The ramming is fun when you're ramming with me. I'm a pumping-eyed man. If Eric can't get it, I will and I can't. I'm strong as it comes, but I've got a brain. And stopping me is like stopping a train. I'm Carl Lee, the General of the D. I make the calls, I'm the coach in LB. This
0: motorcycle hit has got style and class. If you come my way, I'll knock you on your ass. Okay, the turkeys and names intimidated. The path of my way, I'll see you later. cook on my feet. The name. I cover the corners, interceptions my game. Score more than
1: anybody else on the dude, cause I move like a cat as you will see. The guys call me a set addict the son. I lead the rings. on the ramp top gun. They say I'm as smooth as a runner can be, even sweeter than the others are talking about me. I like to dance and have a lot of fun when it comes to ladies wanna brainy one. But enough about me. We'll ram it, you see. If you ram it just right, you can ram it all night.
0: Hello, jerks. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week, I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you
1: listen to the show. See you there.